Welcome and good evening. Tonight we have three true cyber and internet scary stories. Before we begin, I would just like to mention for those of you who haven't noticed already, we have used funds from the support of you guys through Patreon and channel membership to get the channel revamped and add ourselves a new logo and creepy image for the channel. I took the liberty of creating some cool hoodies and mugs and sorts. There's 10% discount if you use the code onscreenMrRam10 which is valid until the 30th of June or simply use code MrRamsey for free shipping, US only, link in the description. Anyway, without further ado, let's begin. Number 1 For reference, I'm a 27 year old female and this story takes place 10 years ago when I was 17. I had just started university and was very excited about having a fresh new start since I'd always been an early outcast in high school. I'd never had a boyfriend before, I'd never even been on a date, so I was naive and optimistic about boys. My introvert and awkward personality hadn't magically changed since entering university, so it's safe to say that I didn't meet any interesting guys at school. One late night, I was in my room working on assignments on my laptop when I received the request on MSN Messenger. The email address was a boy's name with some numbers. The name was clearly ethnic and likely someone of the same origin as me. Intrigued, I accepted. For the sake of the story, we'll call this boy Ken. We got to chatting and I asked him who he had gotten my email address. He dodged the question. I let it go, not thinking too much of it. This was from a time when it was normal to accept anyone and everyone as a friend on Facebook and other social media platforms. As Ken and I continued to talk, I learned that he lived in my city and apparently wasn't much older than me. As I guessed, our roots were in fact in the same country. Yes, let's call it Motherland. I asked him why he didn't have a picture of himself in his display picture and this prompted him to suggest that we turn on our webcams because he wanted to see me too. I declined, but he insisted. Somehow he convinced me and we both switched on our webcams. I was pleasantly surprised or somewhat relieved to see that Ken was a good looking young guy, chatting to me from the comfort of his bedroom, seemingly very normal. Our MSN chats carried on for a couple of weeks. They developed into texts and we even had a few phone calls, after I'd agreed to give him my phone number. I started to develop a crush on Ken. He'd asked me to go out with him a couple of times, but I was always pretty busy with school and our schedules weren't lining up. Finally, we found one afternoon when we were both free and decided to schedule a lunch date. Ken had a car and had offered to pick me up from my university after I was done for the day. I was a little too dressed up for my programming class, but just right for the lunch date we had planned at a local vegetarian restaurant. Stupidly, I didn't tell any of my friends where I was going or whom because I was embarrassed by going on my first date at almost 18 with someone who had randomly added me on MSN. I waited outside my building when a black car with heavily tinted windows pulled up beside me. The passenger side window rolled down and sure enough, there was Ken, sitting in the driver's seat. I was happy to see that he was as cute in person as he was on webcam. However, what I wasn't expecting was the intense smell of weed floating out of the car. Not relevant, but part of the first impression. Admittedly, I was a bit taken back and was concerned that he might be driving high. He unlocked the doors and motioned for me to get in, so I did without dispute. As I sat down in the passenger seat, and he immediately put his hands on my thigh, I nervously shifted my leg away. So, I started. Do you know where the restaurant is? I can guide you if you want. He 
He smirked at me but didn't say anything and just started driving. Okay, kind of weird. I thought maybe he was just nervous or awkward, both of which I could sympathise with, so I let it be. I was about to try my hand at a little small talk, which I'm not good at, when I noticed him heading towards the highway ramp. I started to worry because the restaurant was not far from my campus and there was no reason for us to be getting on the highway. Um, you don't need to take the highway. The restaurant is close by. I can guide you. I tried to keep my voice steady, but I could hear my own nervousness. Ken finally spoke, for the first time since I got in the car. I thought maybe we could just go to my place instead. We can play Need for Speed and I can make lunch for you. I was 17 on my way to the house of a guy I just met for the first time and hadn't told anyone where I was going. My mind was racing. I knew that this would be an utterly stupid thing to do, despite the clear red flags waving in my face. I decided that I didn't want to ruin our first date by rejecting his offer to make me lunch and play Need for Speed together, which I told him I liked playing. Don't judge me. So, like an idiot, I reluctantly agreed to avoid being rude. We made it to his house. It was apparently his family's home and was situated in sort of a shady neighbourhood. We stepped inside and of course no one was home except us. It was sparsely furnished and looked unkempt, which struck me as pretty odd for a family home. He informed me that his Xbox was in his bedroom. I hesitated in the doorway, but he sat at the foot of his bed in front of the TV and patted the empty space beside him for me to have a seat. There was literally nowhere else to sit in his room, so I cautiously sat down, keeping as much distance as I could between us. I started to relax as we played Need for Speed and he made peanut butter and jellies to munch on. I was about to laugh at myself for being over paranoid when Ken did something bizarre. He got up onto the bed and sat down directly behind me, his legs on either side of me, an extremely awkward position, and tried to guide my hands on the controller. I started to ask him what he was doing, and as if this wasn't uncomfortable enough, his hands moved from the controller and slid up under my shirt. That's when I really started to panic. I thought he was going to try and grope my chest, but instead he started squeezing and massaging my belly. I was more than a little chubby back then, freshman 15 and then some, so you can imagine what that might have been like. I dropped the controller in pure shock and quickly stood up, fixing my shirt. I was at a loss for words, and he did nothing but smirk at me and tell me he liked it. I felt completely disgusted and violated. I'd had enough. I lied and told him that I had a group project to work on and I needed to go. He asked where I lived so he could drop me home. Thankfully, I had the common sense not to tell him and I asked him to drop me back at school instead, where I would be supposedly meeting my classmates. He obliged. After our very uncomfortable first date, I decided I didn't want to talk to Ken anymore. I didn't block him on MSN or my phone. Our only two methods of communication but I rarely responded to his messages, and I ignored all his calls. Once he messaged me on MSN around 11pm, asking me to come over and telling me that he would send a cab to bring me over to his place. Thoroughly annoyed, I responded, What do you take me for? Why do you even think I would want to do that? He replied, saying, No sex, I promise. Just bizarre. I was disgusted and didn't even respond. He continued to try and get in touch with me for months, and then suddenly vanished. I figured he'd finally gotten a point. Now, I wish the story ended here, but it doesn't. I last heard from Ken in late February. He had stopped trying to contact me shortly after Valentine's Day. In April, two nuclear family members and I went on holiday to visit another relative, who we'll call Anne, who was living in the Caribbean at the time. 
Anne, whom I love dearly, was, and still is, a bit of an eccentric. She considers herself very spiritual, and is an active member of a large, well-known spiritual organisation. She is deeply connected with the motherland, more than the rest of us are, and goes back for frequent visits. While we stayed with her in the Caribbean, she told us about her most recent spiritual trip to the motherland, when she met a wealthy and well-connected local woman through the organisation, who quickly became a very close friend. Let's call her Connie, the con artist. During our visit, Annie introduced us to Connie virtually over Skype, because Connie lives in Motherland. We chatted with her a couple of times throughout her vacation via Skype, and got to know her a little bit. Little did we know back then that Connie, who Annie said spontaneously met halfway across the world to Motherland, would soon wreak utter havoc on our lives. Now, that's a story that I'm just not and may never be ready to tell because of how many lives were affected and the severity of the damage that had been inflicted. What you need to know is that Connie was an outright criminal and con artist who had been targeting her family for a long before Anne had actually met her. Their meeting was no coincidence. Not only, not only did she manage to steal over 100,000 from her family, but she took any peace of mind or sense of security we ever had. When we finally caught on and confronted her, she insisted that we were mistaken, but disappeared into thin air once we forced her out of our lives. You're probably wondering what on earth this has to do with my story about Ken. Well, get this. The situation with Connie lasted many months. The whole thing is kind of a blur to me now. But we first spoke to her online in April, and I remember the whole ordeal lasting well into the fall. Well, she normally resides in Motherland, Anne had invited her to visit and stay with us where we, my whole family and I, presently live. That's when things really took a turn for the worse. Some of the things I clearly remember, and are important to the story, were that, number one, the whole time she was staying with us, she was trying to convince me to transfer schools to a very obscure school and program in the US. I don't even live in the US, and was actually getting very pushy about it. And two, she had asked me if I was a virgin, and told me to save myself from my husband. Disturbing, I know. During this time, I was so emotionally drained and stressed that I didn't really think of anything but the situation at hand. In fact, I had stopped socialising almost entirely and even started habitually skipping classes. I had lost contact with my high school friends and my university friends were too new to really care, so my strange behaviour and new disruptive habits went unnoticed. Fast forward one day, after Connie's final disappearance in the fall, I was at home with my dad when my cell phone rang. I looked at the caller ID and it was a number I didn't have saved, so it was showing the contact information as whatever the name the phone was registered under. My heart dropped to my stomach. My phone displayed a name, the first name was a man's name, and the last name is the last name as Connie's. I started to panic and ran into my bedroom to answer the call. I had no idea what to expect. When I picked up the phone I was greeted by a familiar voice. Yeah, it was Ken. I honestly thought I was going to puke when I came to a sudden realisation that he'd been part of this whole sick plot. Of course, I don't have hard evidence to prove that he was connected to Connie, but let me explain. The timing of his appearance and reappearance into my life, the last name, a fairly unique surname, originating from the part of Mullerland where Connie is from, and I had never known Ken's last name until then, and the fact that he contacted me out of the blue and I had no idea why or how, it was all just too bizarre to be a mere coincidence. Of course I freaked out at Ken when he called, and I told him that if he ever called me again, I would call the police. His response was just a weird, dry, half-laugh, and then he said, 
well, okay then. In the most creepy voice you can think of and hung up. I knew in my gut that this was their last attempt to get back in touch and somehow slithered their way back into mine and my family's lives. Thankfully, I never heard from Ken again after that day. A while after this all ended, I was having a conversation with a family member who was also closely involved in all of this, about the whole ordeal and she told me she'd sensed something extremely wrong when Connie was pushing to have me sent off to the US to that obscure school. She had an unshakable feeling that Connie was involved in some sort of human trafficking scene and that if I left, she would never see me again. The horrifying pieces came together for me at this time. I was just too damn naive to have seen it before. The memories flooded back to me when I heard that, how Kenna told me, no sex I promise, when he invited me over and how Connie was telling me to remain a virgin. As I said, I had never told a soul about Ken, nor about the weird V-card conversation with Connie. I strongly and firmly believed that Ken had been some sort of player in Connie's game, was just there to keep me away from guys and prevent me from having a boyfriend. For those who may have wondered, we never called the police on Connie or Ken because nothing illegal happened at face value. It was very hard to explain. I'll also mention that I tried to find Ken online many times after this all ended. I don't know why, I felt like I wanted to expose him or call him out and was not able to find even a slither of information on him. Not by the name Ken, nor by the name on the caller ID. It was as if he didn't even exist. Also, I am awful at directions and didn't remember his address and where his house was exactly. I'm sorry if this story is convoluted and confusing. I'm trying to get my point across without giving out any names or too many details, which makes it a little challenging. I hope this can serve as a warning to young people to never trust anyone, to do your thorough checks on people, especially those you meet online, and to be very aware and weary of people's intentions. Also, from the instant onward, I can't stomach a lot of these spiritual organisations. I never liked the idea of them to begin with, but now I've truly experienced how they can affect both vulnerable people and also unsavoury characters who are looking for someone vulnerable to prey on. No judgement for those who are into that sort of thing, it's just definitely not for me. I would like to hear what you guys think about this. Do you think my suspicions are plausible? What do you make of this? Stay safe everyone, and to Ken and Connie, if I see you again, I'll kick you in the face. Rotten hell. Number 2 Throw away because this is something from my past I'm not proud of. Also. This is pretty long, but it all comes together in the end, I promise. I won't be answering any questions, but I would like to say that if you are one of the guys I tricked, I am so very sorry, and I do hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. From the ages of 11 to 16, 17, I used to be addicted to playing MMORPGs. They were literally my life, and I considered my online friends very real and I loved them. Except I lied to them, practically the entire time. I was pretending to be a girl, but not for the fun of it, but to target single teenage boys online for in-game currencies, gear and whatever helped me progress through the game. Anyone who was an avid MMO gamer knows exactly what I'm talking about. Those amazing outfits you have to buy for real money. Those materials you had to buy with real money to progress through the game comfortably and be able to go up against the best of the best. I was addicted. I wanted all of it. Except I couldn't get all of it. I couldn't buy it. My parents wouldn't agree nor did I have a part-time job as a teenager. 
I advised a plan from the age of 13 to 14 that I would pretend to be a teenage girl and get into seemingly realistic online relationships with teenage boys and try to coax them into sending me these things. I used the names and pictures of teen girls I found on their personal profiles on places like Flickr and Photobucket. Usually, when the boy decides to go snoop because he thinks I'm lying, he would find them and start believing it's really me. They were already too desperate. I even voice chatted with them. My voice was high-pitched enough even as a boy going through puberty. It was the perfect formula to trick them into liking and gifting me. I was desperate for all these in-game things and wasn't thinking straight. I never realised how much these people could get affected. On my first MMO, I tricked a boy into sending me an outfit without pretending to be his girlfriend. This boy seemed madly in love with me, and since this was my first time trying this out, I generally felt bad for him and wanted to tell him I lied to him. He was pretty similar to me in all aspects. He wasn't well off either, he didn't work. He had a bad home life, but my idiotic self decided it would be okay for him to gift me. It won't hurt, right? I thought. Possibly even adult men pretending to be teens. This huge identity scam I created escalated from there. I tricked so many other boys, teens and possibly even adult men pretending to be teens. It was horrible. I hated myself. But I couldn't stop. I needed all these gifts and these games. This is where the story starts. When I was 16, the last guy I ever talked to was a 23-year-old Russian guy who we will call Mark. I met Mark in a very popular shooting MMO. We hung out all the time and had many mutual friends in the game. We voice chatted with a group of people multiple times on Skype while playing. I never once decided to scam him because he was a free player, meaning he never spent money on games. He also seemed like a genuinely nice dude. But when he asked me out, I tried to take on what I considered the biggest challenge in this scam. Will I be able to get a free player to spend on a game for me? Because I was always so well liked online and many people knew who I was. And generally I was a very nice girl. My ego was soaring. I knew I could do it. I accepted to date him online despite him knowing I'm a 16 year old girl as a 23 year old man. In the beginning he was pretty normal. He was always trying to be sweet and romantic. We played together all the time. He did all the lovey dovey kisses and hugs text. We even had cyber sex. I being the piece of shit I used to be played along. It was all going well. Too well. However, I noticed after a week or two that something was not, well, right with him. He seemed very obsessive. He seemed manipulative. He always talked shit about my other friends from the game to make me unfriend them. He would always tell me they talked shit behind my back. He would call them sluts, skanks, whores and many other horrible names. He would even send proof, which I later found out was photoshopped, from in-game text chats which disappears, so you can't ask said friend to send proof she didn't say what she said. He absolutely despised any guy I ever talked to when we were playing in a public match together. I stupidly went along with it. I didn't want him not to trust me, so I can get what I wanted. Then, the perfect moment came for me to make Mark send me gifts. I had to do it. This new outfit in the game introduced was too bomb to pass up. I started off by telling him the new game update was pretty cool and we talked about it for a while. He suggested we both get new outfits, but I told him I had no money, and I totally would buy it for both of us if I could. He suggested that he steals money from his mother, a single hard-working woman taking care of two kids. For a second, my mind told me to let it happen. This was when I immediately snapped out of it. I felt horrible. I wanted to. 
I couldn't believe what I was doing. Was I really about to tell Mark to go steal money from his mother, who is struggling to pay bills? I couldn't let it happen. I decided to log off immediately and shut the laptop to rethink what I had done over these years. How many of these people weren't in well-off families but were probably using or stealing their parents' money. I couldn't stop pondering about this all day. The next day I logged back into Skype at night and was immediately slammed with walls and walls of texts from Mark asking me where I went, why I wasn't answering, how I'm such a slut who went to talk to some other guy I know, and many similar things you hear nice guys say to girls that give them a chance then flaking them for being weird. I was sick to my stomach. I hated myself and I hated Mark. I tried to pull it off and say my electricity cut off the entire day. He didn't believe me. He didn't want to believe it. I immediately told him I wanted to break up with him. Things took a turn for the worse. He voice called me and I picked up. He was aesthetically crying and shouting at me. I tried to remain calm and tell him I didn't want to play games anymore. I told him I was getting more depressed than I already am and felt my addiction of games wasn't helping and that I should go out and see the world more. Which was all true, outside my fake persona. He started shouting at me some more, calling me all kinds of names. This 23-year-old Russian man was threatening what he perceived to be a 16-year-old girl. Everything he said started to get worse. He started talking about how I ruined his life. He told me he would commit suicide if I ever left him, which I thought could possibly happen, because he was a cutter. I started crying and told him not to. We got into a heated argument and I could hear him throw stuff around and break stuff. I was still crying when I told him I had to go cause my parents want me to do something. He told me not to leave or he would kill himself right there and now. He turned on his camera and put a razor to his wrist. I saw all the old cuts on his arm. I was in fear. He couldn't see me. But I was stuck there watching a man threatening to cut his wrist live on cam. All because of me. All because I decided to trick him into buying me gifts. All because of my fake identity and fake relationship. I threw up in a garbage bin in my room. I quickly told him I had to go. I immediately quit Skype and closed my laptop. I cried in my room the entire day, realising karma finally got me and this is what I get for scamming people. I was a mess and suddenly I passed out, asleep on my bed. I didn't know how or when it happened, but it did. The next day, I was unusually calm. The day went by normally. I sat in front of my laptop but didn't open it. I tried to think of a rational solution to all of this. I didn't want someone to commit suicide because of me. There was no rational solution to any of this. I had to just say goodbye to him and block him forever and for whatever happens. I opened Skype and was immediately slammed by walls of text again. This time I didn't read anything but saw that he had sent some photos. He sent me pictures of his arm bleeding from a cut he made last night after ditching him. He sent me pics of him crying. I was immediately sick again but took a deep breath and went as calm as possible and went in as calm as I possibly can. When he came online, I told him I'm breaking up with him. Mark, again, told me he was going to commit suicide if I ever dared to leave him. I calmly told him if he was going to, then why didn't he? He didn't answer, clearly shocked by the question. He continued to threaten me again. I told him I don't care, and that he's being too hard on himself. I told him he can find another girlfriend. He still continued to threaten me. I was fed up, I tried to reason with him. Even was on the verge of revealing I was actually a 16 year old boy all along, but decided it wasn't the best thing to do. I regretfully told him to go kill himself so no other woman has to go through what he did to me, then blocked him and deleted him. Deleted my Skype and never logged back on it. I did see him online a few times in the games I played, 
He tried to contact me again, but I ignored him. He deleted me off his friends list in game, and we never chatted ever again. I stopped pretending to be a girl and told all my friends I was a boy all along and apologised profusely. The girls felt betrayed because they really trusted me. Most of the boys who I led on felt betrayed because they liked me, but none of them made a big deal out of it in the end. I realised how much of an asshole I was in the end for even coming up with this plan, but decided I wasn't as much of an asshole as a 23-year-old man who threatened to kill himself live on cam in front of a 16-year-old girl for trying to break off a paedophilic abusive relationship. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you all thoroughly enjoyed, and remember to subscribe if you're new, and maybe leave a cheeky comment. I'll catch on in the next one. Thank you. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.